2: Hey, this is Doug, GM of Ghostbusters Resurrection.
1: And hi, this is Cap Blackard, co-writer of season three and producer of Ghostbusters Resurrection.
2: We wanted to share something with you. A little while ago on the Omniverse Discord, I was answering some questions about how to play the game. And I thought, you know what? It'd be easier if we just had a live Q&A about it. So uh, we did. And this small Q and A ended up becoming something that was almost four hours long. I did not plan for it to go that long.
1: Yeah, it was a real it was a real to do. Yeah,
2: but it was a lot of fun, and uh, it was great to interact with everybody. We had we had a lot of people show up and and ask a lot of questions. But what we wanted to do was share some of that with you. So what this recording is is I would say it's like what one third of that conversation. Yeah, it's
1: about a third of what the whole thing is altogether. And what this started as was some really mm-hmm. technical stuff, some very specific things that don't get gone into in the bulk of you know, the, the actual narrative content of the show, mm-hmm. like the, the audio drama of it. And so in the full-length version, we explore a lot of in-depth stuff about how to play the game. If you're curious about sitting down and playing the Ghostbusters role-playing system, and you can get all the info on how to play the Ghostbusters role-playing system at our website, gbrpg.com. But if you want advice from Doug on like the real technical aspects of it, from the trenches, that's kind of what the conversation's about. But this, what you're about to hear, are just some excerpts of it, like a a taste of this larger thing, which may be perhaps a little too... Nuanced for the public release. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so if you like what you hear following this, then if you want to hear more, there's like, what, another two hours of it? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. You can get that by going to the Omniverse Media Patreon. That's at patreoncom omniverse media. Uh, and if you become one of our patrons there, you can hear the rest of the conversation. But I mean, this is a pretty solid chunk of it. This is some of the good stuff. And of course, if you join the Patreon there, you can also get early access to the episode. So the very next episode of Ghostbuster Resurrection is almost done, and I'm hoping to finish it by the end. Of June, if not maybe even a week or so sooner. So if you want to hear it first, you got to be on Patreon to hear it. Otherwise, you're not going to hear it until the entire season is done, and we release it all in one go.
1: Yeah. Now we've made public statements about this before, but I feel like we should be clear that mm-hmm. you know releasing the rest of season three in chunks like this is mostly because we we want to make sure that we're not like all right, we're releasing it, we have a steady release schedule, and then it falls off and there's right. another unexpected hiatus. Right. So our goal is to get all of it done, and then we start publicly releasing it. But Of course, Doug is finishing these episodes as soon as he has the time, so as soon as they're done, they will be released on the Omniverse Patreon.
2: The thing you're about to hear is listeners of the show coming in wanting to play their own game and asking questions, or they're just really big fans of the show and they wanted to know some more details behind the scenes. How did how did this stuff go down? So it was a lot of fun. I really want to do it again soon, but if we do, it's got to be less than four hours because I was <laughs> my throat was killing me by the end of it. It was pretty late at night. It was it, kind of it brutal. Was late, yeah. uh, but but I would love to do more. So if you have questions uh, that aren't answered here, you know, save them, or you know what, or just tweet tweet at me. I'll try to answer them as we can. But I want to do another one of these soon. So we
1: are are also planning on doing a cast and crew Q&A once season three wraps. Yes, yeah, that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a fun one. when's that going to happen? Well, time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not all that's happening in recent time. You're also guesting on a very well-known Ghostbusters podcast.
2: Yes, the Interdimensional Crossrip. Hopefully, if you're a fan of our show, you're a fan of Ghostbusters. And if you're a fan of Ghostbusters and you like podcasts, why are you not listening to the Interdimensional Crossrip? It's
1: the Ghostbusters <laughs> podcast.
2: Yeah. So I'm doing a, a brief interview over there
1: so I guess without any further ado, uh, here is some selections from our much larger Ghostbusters fan Q&A with Doug.
3: When it comes to uh, building monsters, do you just like set up a, like a character sheet for them, like come up with what their special moves are? I notice mostly it ha- gets taken care of in uh, story stuff. So I can't, uh, I haven't been able to reverse engineer it from listening.
1: Sure thing. That was uh, Tank from the Atlantic Ghostbusters, by the way.
3: Tank or Joe, as some of you know me.
2: I would say um, when I was doing season one, I just read through the Tobin Spear Guide, which is the monster manual, for for lack of a better description for Ghostbusters. Um, I just went through that several times, just sort of trying to get an idea of like, all right, this type of ghost does this. It has this kind of power set. Uh, And I would just sort of not directly lift from that, but take a lot of heavy inspiration from it. Um, When I'm coming up with a monster... For well, for example, for season one, it I knew what the end goal would be. I knew that these were just a trail of breadcrumbs that would eventually lead them to the science center to fight its Kotal. Um so the individual monsters could have a lot of variety to them. So I took that as a way to say, okay, well, this week they're gonna fight a monster that's gonna have a feeling of this particular action uh scene that I always like from this particular action film. So I'm gonna try to recapture that same energy and and tension with this monster and what monster would best you know, personify that and 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 figure it out that way um, to give a kind of um, if I if I may for a brief moment uh, dip into my philosophy or my uh, thought process on Ghostbusters and the types of different strange ghosts that they encounter. I always thought an interesting psychological subconscious theme running throughout Ghostbusters is that they are basically like psychologists for society and that the busting of ghosts is like them uh, uh doing a psychological analysis of humans as a whole hence like the ghosts that come back to haunt us are often aspects about our past that we don't like or that we would like to ignore or pretend aren't there or that torment us um it's no coincidence that some of the ghosts they fight are racists you know who like are members of the kkk or like uh uh people who commit murder or uh worship evil and want to do harm to people these these are all aspects of us that we want to exercise uh so they are they're like i mean yes in one hand they are janitors but i also view them as psychologists for our society and, and getting rid of those things that continue to haunt us whether I'm right or wrong, I have no idea, but I like to believe that adding that little bit of catharsis to it, the idea of making the world a better place, not just because we got rid of a ghost, but rather this was a bad influence on society, um, I feel like that makes the victory just a little bit sweeter. So taking inspiration from that, that's where obviously Colonel Parkins came from, uh, you know, human sacrifice, which is a terrible thing. Uh, it's quote was representative of that. Um slavery i mean any you know uh uh murder like this pirates i mean they would you know rape and pillage and murder people um uh, you know i told them they're never gonna have to worry about busting the ghost of abraham lincoln (laughs) they're never gonna have to like uh you know do something harmful to someone who is generally considered good in the public eye
1: um don't take away their dreams like that that's not right yeah (laughs) (laughs) well if they were good in the public eye but bad behind closed doors you know that's a different story yeah.
0: I mean, the White House is apparently haunted. So,
2: yeah, and if um on uh one of the um uh busting episodes of the Ride Along, uh, they're talking about uh St Augustine and St Augustine is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in America. But in game, we've never been called to St Augustine because it, they rely on a ghost economy. They they want ghost tourism. So if the Ghostbusters came to St Augustine and cleaned it up, then no one would go visit St. Augustine for the ghost tours. So that would be ruining
1: someone's way of life. In fact, I would dare dare suspect the like mayor or the chief of police would probably blockade the historic district and not let them in. Yeah. I uh,
4: like sure the that. last time when you first said that initially a while ago, in my mind, like I'm imagining a ghost union with like a ghost Colonel Sanders working with the mayor as uh in utilizing these ghosts unwittingly while he gets everything he wants
2: oh yeah i i, I haven't even um i, I had considered for a while and maybe this this might end up in a particular episode in the future somewhere down the line I, this, I, I i honestly have no plans for this so feel free to steal it but uh how many of us have seen the frighteners uh with michael j fox i mean the idea, yeah yeah the, the idea of someone working with ghosts to make money you know, it's like I'm pretty sure if my team heard of such a thing, they would oh, they would be so ma- they would be so mad. It <laughs> would like it goes against everything they would stand for. Uh, I mean, not to mention it would be a conflict of interest for them if they would be like. I mean, if, if 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 my team had their own ghost that they would send off to haunt someone's house, and then they would then have to be called in to bust the ghost that they themselves sent there, huge conflict of interest. That's definitely illegal in some way. Uh, can't be allowed. But um, but but facing someone who's doing that. I mean, yeah, that that would be interesting. So there's there's so many different ways to take it. Um, but to to get to the point of more of like a monster scenario, like especially with like season three, um, this was more of like um finding things uh that would force them to bust it in a different way each time, putting them in a different location every time. So it's not just another person's house. It's not just another place of business. Um, you know, they go underwater, they go to the airport, they go to the VAB, they go into the swamps. They go, they're go, they going all over the place and we're running them ragged. Uh, and each monster, I, I took early inspiration on. When I, was, when I was working with Cap on what to make season three about, I knew it would be Sam Samhain. I knew that there would be monsters on the loose that were big and powerful. I didn't even have a name for him yet. Um, I thought there should be seven of them. Cause seven is a magic number. Um, I didn't want to make it seven deadly sins cause that's way too obvious. And that's just way too narrowed down in terms of like a religion. Um, we settled on the Druid and the idea that they were these powerful aspects. And then I found out about the seven forbidden magics and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Um, so, I mean, I would say just do, um, if you ever need inspiration, go on Wikipedia and look up some of these deep dives about, um, Oh God, what are some of these actual books that they have on there? Like the, uh, the Something Codex, uh, basically the the list of demons that King Solomon supposedly killed, and he had the book about them.
5: Oh, uh, The Lesser Key of Solomon.
2: Yes, The Lesser Key of Solomon. Thank you. Perfect. That's, yeah, like, look up all the details about The Lesser Key of Solomon. Um, at first it's kind of... Um, janky like it's just like oh it's a lion with a man face and bird feet isn't that scary and i'm like yeah maybe in the bronze age it was but it would i think they would laugh at it if they saw it now um but the idea of merging animals and the idea of uh trying to tap into something that would be more of a, of a primal fear um I'll, I'll i'll share with you another uh uh little inside info on season three which is the, which is that uh the inspiration for the animals that we chose and was also based on Halloween imagery. Uh, they fight bats, spiders, you know, like, things that, that are normally associated with, like, the images of Halloween, just to make it a little more on the subconscious level. We really... Um, and what's the really... excuse
4: of the tentacle monster? That one messed me up entirely.
2: that one um was well we're looking at the aspect of like uh water and like things creatures that live in the water
1: it's a frog it's a big frog
2: yeah it's it's basically a big frog where it's guts or tentacles um in the sense of like okay if you're underwater like you know because like what's what's a scary we're thinking what's a scary thing that's in the water shark well no that's too obvious and that's just you know
4: yeah anything with tentacles is pretty scary
2: yeah, so like okay, and not an octopus because an octopus, you know, is kind of cool in its own way, but if it's and we say well no one's really done much with frogs and frogs can be on the water and on land, so that's certainly great for us because then it can go back and forth as it pleases and the idea of like a a crazy weird frog with eye on with an eye on its head and uh and like teeth like like an anglerfish like taking all the things that would scare us about creatures in the muck and in the in the dark uh, parts of the water. Um, just threw it all together in a combination. And we just kept going until we found a combination that made sense. Yeah,
1: generally we we, we broke it down by way of uh, the Halloween creatures um, and the seven forbidden magics. And then selected a bunch of potential locations that had um, elemental properties to them. And then from there, uh, we sort of got to collaborate on a rough idea of what we wanted them to do or what we wanted the arc of this like because every every druden because it's a big monster because each of the it's like a succession of boss battles right so so they nothing but
2: boss battles
1: (laughs) they they all needed to have a unique um bent to them like a unique problem to solve because like ultimately we're challenging our players minds if it was just about their brawn the whole point of, of this season is that they are extremely accomplished that wall can roll to see and he will see everything so, what can we do that that fundamentally challenges extremely experienced players who have the stats to match it and um And from there, when it, after we sort of established the, the rough, a rough idea of what we wanted them to do objectively in terms of these creatures and how they would perform in the story, then I would do a bunch of sketches of potential uh aesthetics for them, and that way, Doug would have some really uh visceral ideas of. Uh, of, of how they how they move through the environments and what they look like to play off of
2: yeah this is why season three took months and months and months to come up with i mean seasons one and two like season one because i basically started with an outline that i already loosely had and then i just sometimes i just randomly rolled uh uh stats for certain ghosts and then when i had the stats of what the ghost would be i invented the The theming around it before way before I ever sat down to even play the game, I I wanted to have uh, the entire season laid out in front of me and like what ghosts they would face in in each session. And uh, season two was more of like, okay, well, I don't want it to be quite as random. I want it to be more focused on the journey and like what what obstacles can I put in their way that will make them choose to go in the direction that I would like them to go in, but but freely make that choice themselves. And what would the ultimate payoff like? What's the big, you know, thing? Season three was very much every boss, everything had to be a boss fight. Everything had to be challenging them in ways that they're, that they'd never been pushed before. And uh, so I don't recommend that method for just oh, having a standard head. game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that met our method for season three for like just a standard game because it's, we just thought way too much about it, but I mean, heck there's nothing wrong with, you know, looking at a power set and literally rolling up a random ghost and making it up on the spot because Sometimes shit just be crazy, you know? Like it, it it can inspire insanity.
1: I mean, that was the first two episodes of season three was was just a bunch of Halloween night shit be crazy random ghostbusters. We're like, where can we go? Let's go to a Walmart bathroom. What's let's, let's do kind of do Phantom Flush. Like, you know, yeah. Let, let's Yeah. <laughs> let's have them literally be dog catchers.
2: Yeah, exactly. And 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 running them around the the first the whole point of doing the first two episodes like that was to have them go to as many places and do as many small bus as possible just so that they sort of etch-a-sketch them, you know, shake them loose so they don't know what to expect, so they'd be unprepared for what would happen next.
0: Yeah, so I mean. can I say a little something on that?
2: Sure. A little bit? Please.
0: Um, it's kind of like, um, how do I put this into words? Like, it, It's kind of like Alien. Alien had this sort of writing style that made it iconic. Like, It made you care for these characters because in the very first beginning of the movie, It gave you this sort of like it gives you this slip of their life, like while it's normal. Right. Like, I kind of feel like the first three episodes of season three is kind of like the Ghostbusters life as normal before, like in aliens example, before they got the transmission to go to LV426 or in their case, when they had to go into the forest uh, to deal with the cultists. Yeah. Precisely
1: so, uh, druski. I can't even begin to tell you how flattered I am by that comparison and how happy that makes me
2: <laughs> Um, that's that's no coincidence either. I for those who don't know um, I like I mentioned earlier. I wanted to make a, th- a third Ghostbusters film. I have a, uh, a background of, of going to school for screenwriting and studying films and their structure and story structure and
1: also teaching screenwriting
2: and also teaching. Yes, I teach yes, I have taught screenwriting uh, for many years Uh, so it's something, that's how I approach each season. I approach each season as if it was a feature film. How would I structure this if it was a feature film? Granted, if you listen to it all in one go, it's much longer than a feature film, but the story beats of when they do this, when they do this, we need to set up something because I'm assuming someone, someone out there has listened to season three and never heard any of the other seasons before. And maybe, maybe they didn't even know there was another one. I mean, I, it seems weird that some you wouldn't even be aware of it, but I I wanted to put that in mind where if you've never heard them before, you could start at season three and not really feel like you missed that much um, that you would at least be able to follow them along their journey and introduce the idea of like, what does this world feel like? And what's the tone? Like how do these people bounce off of each other and then throw the thing in in, in front of them. And that was another point of, of season three, wanting to shake it up with seasons one and two. Um, It was very much, you know, follow the breadcrumbs, you know, find out who's behind it all. Big fight with the boss at the end. Here, I was like, you know what? We need to inverse this because that's what they're expecting. They're expecting little clues here and there. We need to have the big bad guy show up like as fast as possible and say, oh, you think this is going to take place over a couple of days? No, no, this is happening now. End of the world happens tonight. Good luck. Goodbye. You know, (laughs) Um, and ever since then, they've been uh, off kilter and they have they've been stumbling from one misadventure to the next. Which is exactly what we wanted.
1: Yeah, and with tabletop role-playing, especially with long-running campaigns and characters who you're familiar with and players you're familiar with, it's never good to psychologically abuse your friends. However, you can work alongside them consensually to create something really unique that can only be done because of your relationships with them. And that season three is a long-form psychological experiment in a lot of ways because we understand our friends and how they react to stuff. I mean,
0: the latest episode of season three. That one was pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least.
2: Yeah, that was, a, that was a very complicated one to do. And it was um, a
1: long time planning. Just for archival purposes, as of this episode's recording, "Death Shroud, the Death Druden episode at Halloween Horror Nights, is the most recently released episode.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, I could talk for an hour about how we made that. But it's... Uh,
1: and we definitely will. If we don't do it today, we will do it someday. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about that the making of that episode.
2: Yeah, it goes without that saying that was very complicated. And all the players did, for each of their little segments, it was, it was uh, themselves, me, and Cap were the only three people in the recording studio when we were doing those individual segments. So none of them knew... What the others were doing they had they didn't talk we didn't allow them to talk to each other at all uh, It was just one at a time We would bring one in and then when we finished we'd send the we would send that person away and bring in the next one And they weren't allowed to share what happened uh, So everybody was going in completely blind had no idea what would happen
1: and I should also point out because this hasn't apparently this I mean I understand the assumption but not a lot of people realize the The death drudens voice is live to tape. So they were yes. hearing that by surprise yeah. for the first time Um right.
2: Yeah, if you if you listen to that episode and you realize that their reactions to the voice of the Death Druden, they were hearing the Death Drudin as you are hearing it in the episode. I didn't I, I didn't I really didn't do much editing to the voice. So when when they were in that room in the dark, in reality, we we turned the lights off. They're in the dark with a he- with headphones on, and then I say, Ooh, you hear a strange voice, and all of a sudden they they in their own headphones are hearing the spooky Druden voice and it's communicating with them live as as it's answering questions and it's, it's interacting with them and I, 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 I didn't take a part in that. Uh, that's what was it gave it that extra tension and that extra bit of fear so like when you hear Mike Wall reacting to hearing the Druden for the first time that was a legitimate reaction that was the, that was the actual exchange that happened as it was happening.
1: Doug and I just sort of figured out the sort of like tone of the character and then I performed the character. Yeah. And 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 we devised with the help of Mark with a C a series of different effects that we could deploy live that would allow us that created a, an actual like a voice that had a musical quality, like a creature that has an organ built into its body. So there's a certain degree of like the way I stretched my words and breathing that was almost like an instrument that I sort of had to learn how to perform and being able to hear it live and perform it live like that is part of what created the character.
2: Hmm, and it's it's what made everyone react the way they did uh it, it it went it went really well and i'm I'm really pleased with the result because you know even while i was editing it you know sometimes when i'm editing something i'll i'll hear it so many times you know it just i'll be like is this is this joke actually funny i know i can hear myself laughing but that was so long ago and and i've heard the, the i don't know and then of course we release it and people you know like oh that was good it's like oh man that, I was almost tired of it at that point, but when I was listening to like uh, everyone's interactions with the Druden, it was endlessly entertaining for me because every time I would like go back and hear a part where the druid says something, and I hear their primal reactions to it, it was just so authentic that I couldn't help but but be uh really pleased with uh, <laughs> with, with with how they with how they uh reacted.
1: Now we're definitely going to talk about this more. We we plan to do a cast and crew interview once season three wraps, but you know that's still a ways off. Um. And and there'll also be a Q&A, much like the Cthulhu Q&A or the Dungeons and Doritos Q&As that have happened in the past. Um, but if you want a sneak preview of the entire development process for that specific episode, there is a Patreon perk where I walk everybody through exactly how we did it.
2: Hey, you made like a little top-down map view of the studio and like where people would go and sit and we were the like when they would leave and make sure that they wouldn't speak to each other and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: we had a whole system devised to keep to keep the their them all psychologically isolated without without really burdening them. Toy
2: has asked uh well rather brought up how fair the system is in terms of like using d6s as like skills and uh they felt that uh, in a long in a long running game uh the skills can be either like upgrades can come too infrequently and it can be too small, or they can become too powerful too quickly because if you have five to six dice and a single skill, you almost win every time and that's not even including the talent if, if you're rolling on your talent of that. Um, the other part of that question was also about like uh, what uh rules did I like from the second edition of the game, since we mostly rely on the first edition of the game um and like if if there's anything I would keep in the second edition what would it be and if there was any way to modify it
1: and to be clear that the second edition is ghostbusters international correct i mean that's a or is that am I am I thinking of something else? I mean, I know that's a separate thing, but I, the rules are completely different for international, aren't they?
2: Not completely. It's just greatly expanded upon with more details. Because when the first original game came out, people had a lit. There was a little bit of complaining that it wasn't very detailed and that it was left too open to interpretation. And people at the time, you know, this is this is you know, I think this might even be before Pathfinder. Pathfinder had just come mm-hmm. out, so people were hot on the heels of Dungeons and Dragons and they wanted to have. Like a map to play on, and movement rules, and weight rules for equipment, and all sorts of interesting extra details. Um, since Ghostbusters was my literally my, the first RPG I ever ran, I was not prepared to handle the advanced rules of uh, Ghostbusters International. Uh, so I just I just stuck with the original. But having said that, I do like some of the ideas that the international version has. Um, one thing that never really sat right with me about the original was the sim- the oversimplicity of the equipment. Uh, basically, you just carry three pieces of equipment, and each equipment's got a single card. You carry three cards. That's it. Um, it really wasn't a problem since a proton pack was just a proton pack and there were no slime blowers, so choosing your equipment was really kind of easy, uh, but since we included slime bow- blowers and whatnot, um, it, it made it... Uh, <laughs> the loophole in that was that well, why if I can carry three cards of any kind, I'm going to carry one slime blower and one proton pack and whatever else, and that just honestly doesn't make that much sense. But the way the second edition gets around that is each equipment has a rating in in terms of hands. So, like a uh, for example, um, your Epto goggles might be one hand's worth of weight, meaning it would take like one hand to carry it. So, therefore, it has a it has a handprint on the card, so it's worth one hand. Uh, I think you can carry a total of three hands worth of equipment. Proton pack is worth two. Um, I very can't much remember. much you can ask. Yeah, it's, it's very very simplified, watered down version. I I really like the idea of making the rules for about equipment a little bit more, I don't want to say strict, but more refined and more specific. Um, but I've just been lucky enough to play with a group who wants to play it the way I like to play it, which is, you know, they're, they're not trying to min-max, they're not trying to screw around the rules as much. They just uh, go with the flow of the story, and to them, you know, a proton pack and a slime blower at the same time doesn't make any sense. Why would they even attempt to do that? And then I reward them by saying, okay, well, since you guys are playing fair you know, if you want to carry a slime blower, I'm going to give you a proton pistol and I'm going to make up the fact that a proton pistol doesn't take up an equipment slot just because we're all playing fair here and you're using it for story purposes and not just trying to, you know, disrupt the game. Um,
1: Well, so I have a question then. Yeah, go ahead. Um, You know, we designed the new versions of the cards and that's the hand thing never came up because obviously we were designing all this stuff with the intention of we'll take the original version of the rules, which are freely available online, and we'll make... Things that people can play with those rules. So we didn't enter into the discussion of like let's redesign the system to expand how the game can be played. So, right? Are you thinking that if we were able to go in all in on redesigning the system, would we add hands into the equation?
2: Um, I don't think it's necessary uh, to put the information on the card. I mean, if you wanted to keep playing with these cards, I mean, heck, if back in the day when people wanted to play. You could still use the old cards. It just had a spreadsheet chart that told you how much each equipment piece of equipment was worth in a number of hands, like half a hand, one hand or or two hands. sure, but I mean, like um, perfect so,
1: world we we design a new version it there's more than enough room on the card to create some kind of visual denotation of how heavy something is
2: sure um i I also want to. I would imagine in a perfect world, I would want to keep the game as simple as possible because that was the only I the only reason I decided to do the Ghostbusters game is because I didn't have to worry about the weight of equipment, mm-hmm. like I, and because I didn't have to worry about, you know, how far a character could move and how many feet or meters or any measure of distance or any of that stuff. Um, there's been actually if you listen to the episodes, there's a couple times where I've like years later, I go back and listen to episodes of season one or two and I hear them say something like, OK, I want to jump across this this thing. And I think, okay, well, if you're going to jump across this thing, and in my head, I'm thinking, all right, it's about this wide. Um, so I would say it would be this difficulty level, and then they have to roll and see if they beat it. But then listening to it again, I go, I did not account for the fact that they're wearing a 50-pound proton pack, or that their hands were full carrying a person, you know, or any of this other stuff. It was just as if they were just running in regular clothes, and it it, it wouldn't make that much sense. But that's that's all beside the point the point is just when you're at the table it's just about having fun and for me the more rules I have in front of me the more barriers and hurdles I have to jump over to get to the storytelling they get to the fun aspect of it so it's really up to you as an as a GM like which direction. I guess it to go really
0: kind of depends on whether or not you want to play the game for the story or if you want to play for the combat
2: absolutely well I mean there's, there's quote
0: unquote, combat
2: yeah there's um a uh, Laforge actually uh, is, is a self-admitted chronic min maxer when it comes to most role playing games. Um, like you put him into d and d, he just is all about trying to build the ultimate character and he'll do whatever it takes to make them as powerful as possible in a short amount of time, just level them up as fast as possible. But with Ghostbusters, since the the really the baseline system doesn't have much room to to finangle with something like that, uh, he just focuses on having a good time and just trying to make everybody laugh. And that that's its own thing. But for those who want to maybe just sort of do... If, this, if the long-running story isn't your thing and you kind of want to just bust some heads uh, and you can just roll up a random ghost and just go to town, uh, yeah, maybe the second, uh, the second edition could be more interesting because there are more rules directly relating to combat.
5: So I've uh, run only... I, I have some in-person friends that I'm playing with, and I'm, I've run the game for them for... Uh, for two sessions, and one of them, I think I may have mentioned this a couple months ago, one of my characters, ha- one of my players, has chosen to uh, play a character who is a ghost rights activist
2: uh, and yeah. attempting
5: to change hearts and minds from the inside. Um, I've tried to work with her, you know, and I've, I've you know stolen a page from Doug's book. I've given her a proton pistol and not made her chew up an uh, equipment slot so she doesn't have to, because she's very... Non-aggressive, but I wanted her to have some kind of self-defense. But I was wondering if you, if 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 you had any suggestions on how I could help. You know, pl- I don't want to bully her for choosing a uh, a non-traditional character, but I do also have some players who are into they they want to bust a ghost. They're there for that. So if you had any suggestions on how to. Make the game fun for her, but also fun for our traditional busters.
2: Hmm. Uh, here's a question.
4: What hey. exactly is her what exactly is her end goal
1: with her character? Yeah, because as an a... accident, so what does she want to do?
2: Yeah does does a does a ghost rights activist say we shouldn't be busting ghosts? Is it someone
1: who's on the payroll who's getting who's like not busting ghosts because that just seems counterproductive here?
5: She she's she's kind of a uh, kind of a Kylie from Extreme or uh, the comics series. She she'll she's non pacifist until she's attacked. If it's something that's like you know it she she wouldn't you know try to let gozer get away. But if, some, if it's something like a slimer or a low level manifestation or something that's cognizant she tries to talk it out through it which didn't work out because our first our first instance was an animal haunting um so you can't really reason with an animal haunting you know they're animals
1: well actually um to, to that extent i do have i do have a suggestion um and and that is that i mean obviously i assume this player doesn't actively want to disrupt the, the flow and enjoyment of the game
5: no, she's, she's definitely, and, like, everybody's having fun. It's, it's, she's not a problem player. I want to be very clear right. that, that she, I don't have any, any beef with her. I, I, in fact, I enjoy her character. I think it adds an interesting take to it. No, I, I agree. But, I, think,
1: I think Ghost Rights is actually a really important thing to discuss in the world of Ghostbusters. So, yeah, sorry, continue.
5: Especially with, like, the comics, and I forget her name, but, you know, uh, for a while there, Ray was actively dating a ghost. I think so, he still is. She's trapped in the uh, containment grid right now.
1: Oh, right, yeah, okay. there's been a's been a lot of a lot of distractions in the storyline, so I kind of lost the thread. Um, yeah,
5: a lot of crossover, yeah. Jenny, yes, Ginny Moran, thank you, tank
4: well here, here's well here's one question involves to you. What is your world's stance on ghosts in general? Can they be reconstituted in society, or do you have an end goal for ghosts, or do you believe they all should just be busted and tossed away?
5: That's kind of up in the air right now i mean i'm I'm not entirely against it i'm i'm uh you know i am certainly open to them you know developing like a Tobin or a you know a French chef hanging out in their uh uh firehouse to to borrow a few uh uh characters from a podcast, probably tweak that a bit of course, don't want to just straight up rip off but uh i it's something Feel free that's, to rip
2: off because we don't own it anyway <laughs>
5: no I know, but it's, there's still something about creative liberty but um I I'm I'm definitely open to the concept of it and my my problem is like for example I I maybe I'll just throw out one one thing that I've been thinking of doing is uh, adapting Floor 13 to be sort of a murder mystery where until they solve you know the in in the 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 text for Floor 13 in the manual and t- when they enter Floor 13 all the packs and stuff stop working and my idea was to kind of set up a murder mystery for them to Figure out what happened, and then, you know, maybe once they accuse someone and a ghost goes into a rage, then maybe the packs suddenly come back on. So during that time, I feel like this character could really have a chance to shine, putting things together, you know. Uh, like I said, she's she's uh, she's even kind of uh, uh, playing a, a hippie, Wicca-ish kind of character. So very... And it's weird cuz she's never seen Extreme Ghostbusters or read the comics, but she's very much playing into the Kylie Griffin stereotype.
2: Good intuition. Yeah. <laughs> Kylie Griffin also kicked a lot of ass. Oh uh, no, Kylie's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so um let me think. so if I was in a situation like this, uh I would well the first the first thing I always wanted to try and do uh is make sure that the encounters with the ghosts aren't just simple you know, shoot them until they're dead and then catch them, uh-huh. you know, because if you if you if you run too many monster of the week stuff in a row, it can start to feel a little bit repetitive. Um, but I, I like the idea of a challenge of a character who's like, hey, do we have to keep trapping it at first? And there there is some validity to that, because if you can make a ghost go away without trapping it, why not just save yourself a headache in the possible damage suit? So. Um, Keeping in in line with the original rules, um, when you make, when you create a ghost, you should think, what does the ghost want? Like, what is its, the ghost, the ghost should have a goal of some kind, because if the ghost can get that goal, then maybe it's satisfied and it can move on to the other side. If it's got some intelligence to it, or if it's like a mindless monster, then it will never be satisfied with its goal and you have no choice but to bust it. So uh, her expertise might come into play with like negotiating or if she's always reading about the lore of something or understanding something when you enter a situation. I mean, you'd have to if you make up a situation ahead of time where they're going to encounter an intelligent ghost, um, either if they were murdered or if they want revenge or whatever the case may be. um, But for some reason, they're unable to communicate, maybe because they're a ghost when they speak it's gibberish or when they speak it's it's like backwards and they're going to have to do like evp record it play it back and she might have the, like if, if no one knows what to do you could have her role her brains roll she, she did
5: she did dump a lot of points into brains so that, that there you Good go enough.
2: that's then then she can be the one who says okay well if you if you all are going to be worrying about just shooting first and asking questions later You could, I don't want to say punish them for that, but show them the consequence of that, where, for example, if they run into a situation, the ghost is mute, you can see us trying to speak, but it's not speaking, they go, screw it, trap them, they trap it, they put it in the containment unit, fine. And then have the owners of that business or residence call a week later or a day later and say, hey, why is the ghost back? And no matter how many times they trap it, this spirit will keep manifesting itself until the problem is solved. So when they realize that proton packs are not the answer, you don't have to take away proton packs. To hmm. Show them that it's ineffective. So uh, that's that, that's a good. I never thought
5: of escaping the containment unit or like even. I feel like having them break, having it break free of the trap unnoticed on the way back to the firehouse is.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I, to take a line from the movie when uh when they get pulled in, they they pull into the firehouse and go, "Oh, I got to get some sleep. I'm dying." And Janine says, "Here's tonight's worksheet." And he goes, "Oh, great, two more free repeaters." Hmm. So yeah. the idea that okay, you guys didn't solve the problem this first time. Uh, and now the same people are calling back and say, hey, as per the rules on your website, if you have to come back to repeat, if it's a repeat on the same ghost, it's free. Yeah. And then they keep busting it. And it's like, why does this thing keep coming back? It's not escaping the containment grid. The the problem just manifests itself over and over because you're not actually solving the core issue. I gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this I mean, take that idea and run with it. It's, it's no, really just a, it's Those just a matter of really clever. I like that idea,
1: and and from Thank a <laughs> from a character standpoint, um, you know, there's plenty of animal rights activists uh, who work at kill shelters, yeah. and uh, you know, the the agenda is generally to change things from the inside to be a positive force within an institution that's somewhat problematic, but and um, that's
5: what she's going for, yeah, and having yeah. A,
1: having a holistic approach to this to this larger thing, the the human nature sort of dictates that you fire a gun at something, you get rid of it, but that's not really indicative of the actual way that nature behaves which is kind of the I difference mean, between the ghost smashers and the ghostbusters, busters in a, in, a, in a larger sense as well
2: does does your player uh happen to have a degree in parapsychology um
5: no i can't i don't have a character sheet on me right
2: now i mean um, just just that's a wonderful excuse where it's like let me use my degree in parapsychology you know to like To talk to the ghost to get it to go away, because could you imagine a a a bug removal service that shows up and instead of spraying pesticides everywhere, they just pull a Pied Piper, play the flute, and all the rats leave. Very very Vankman unpossessing himself from the the circus. One hundred percent. No, I I, that was one of my favorite moments of the earlier uh, earlier storylines, just because it's like, wow. Using the characters' back, you know, background and expertise, in, in a way to bust a ghost in a new and unique way. So I would just encourage everyone to like, you know, don't be don't be afraid to take risks on how to solve the problem. You don't like, I mean, I I don't always know how to solve the problem when I make a situation. Like, and uh, you know, my team comes in and they just figure it out. Um, sometimes I'll have a specific ending in mind where I want them to solve it this way or that way. Like in the case of um, I, the one I took out of the book. Actually, took out of the original source book uh, was the couch potato uh, scenario. We're
5: running that right now. Yeah,
2: yeah. There you go. the The they, they shot him and they trapped him. And in theory, they could have just put him in the containment unit, but I wouldn't really have really rewarded as many brownie points for that. I really wanted to play on them feeling guilty about just zapping this guy who just seems like a normal dude. He's not like a monster. Um, and uh, and if you could, and it was to prove a point early on that you can solve. There's multiple ways to solve a problem, and you don't always just have to shoot it yeah um, so having you... her
5: boyfriend were actually the ones in our version of Touch potato that realized this guy's obsessed quantum leap mm. and didn't get to see the I, I tweaked it just to be a little modern and the final, the final episode of quantum leap is what they're gonna have to track down for him
2: nice i hope i hope they're not disappointed by the last episode of quantum leap like i was
5: <laughs> oh it was it, yeah still waiting on that movie
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames
1: at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered.
2: Um, yeah. Like
4: I thought your I thought your answer to all your problems was to throw
2: Briggs at it. <laughs> Briggs is a, like a wrecking ball; you can't control. I, this, you can't. You the can't Leroy Jenkins the of the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and that's actually bringing up Briggs is an interesting point because in that very same episode, when Briggs says uh I want to hook up my proton back to the building. Um, Yeah. You know, in in my mind, um if he were to even attempt it, I would just if he like ignored all of my hints and just tried to attempt it, I would just say, it doesn't work. Like Mm. it just it just doesn't work. But I instead just was like, hey, roll your brains. And I didn't even look at the number (laughs) of what he rolled. I just said you haven't you realize it's a terrible idea and you shouldn't do it. Mm. And thankfully Briggs is is cool enough to where he, he kind of get he gets the point, you know. He'll when play I play along, yeah, oh, he'll play, he'll dude. play along for for the good of for the good of the group and the good of the. Story. And that's that's
5: very important to have in a group. And I, I do, like I appreciate the they don't see it as a us versus the D- GM. It's it's a collaborative story, which
2: yeah. Is what you I mean, do. I've uh I I think I may have said it before in an earlier episode on uh Nerdy Show, but like the whole reason I got into the Ghostbusters RPG was um I was well, I, I was interested in playing role playing games, and this one was known for being easy and i'm a huge ghostbusters fan and years before i ever thought of running the game um i always thought like man you know i you know i want to be a screenwriter i want to make films i would love to be luck so be so lucky as to work on a ghostbusters movie in the future and if i was going to do a third movie what would it be um and i had a super rough idea of like what interested me if i was ever in such a lucky situation and I had all these notes in a drawer. Would you them.
0: mind uh, telling about that at some point? Your version of Ghostbusters 3?
2: Yeah, um, it's called Ghostbusters Resurrection. <laughs> you can listen <laughs> to season one. On wow! Show.com. Do it's you guys
1: pull- have a Patreon? Yeah, Patreon.com slash Omniverse Media. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Se- season one of It's Cold Told Everything, It's Cold Told was, was my original villain. Uh, was <laughs> every- Now, granted, I tweaked it to take place in Central Florida, not in New York, um, and uh, and a few other things here or there, but like on the whole, the idea of restarting a franchise after um, things have been quiet for a long time, a bunch of newbies who do get help from the original team, but we don't rely on the original team. Uh, the the way they, they figure everything out themselves. I even, I mean, there was an element that I wanted to do in a film that I couldn't do in a game because it, this took place in central Florida, not New York, which was the whole thing being a commentary on, the inevitable disappointment from the fan base that this is not the original Ghostbusters, to where they would go bust a ghost in public, and people go, "Look, it's the Ghostbusters!" And they run over with the sm- and the Ghostbusters have their smoking trap. They would surround them, and you think this is going to be the big hooray cheer moment. They go, "Oh, that's not the Ghostbusters. Where's Where's Peter Venkman? Where's Dr. Venkman?" Where Very here? similar to the We movie.
5: Wanted He Man and Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly.
2: Too. And it just just the idea that that uh, you know, doing a, a Meta commentary, you know, on the idea that these are different Ghostbusters, and that's okay, you know, like, like, but but once I realized that I'm never gonna make that movie, you know, and that there was a game that was, an I opportunity.
0: mean, a lot of it's a lot of those story details, I can kind of see in Ghostbusters
2: Afterlife. Uh, fingers crossed, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful for the movie. I just... I don't. I. Uh, I. Th- I think you'd asked earlier, like how would it. How would it affect our game? And I really have no idea until I see it. I mean, I know there's the line in the trailer about it being 30 years since anyone saw a ghost, but is that just going to be one of those trailer lines that's not in the film? Which God, I hope so. Because if
5: if it's not, it invalidates the entirety of the video game and the comics, which have been doing great work. Well,
0: no. If it would, so the movie takes place around 2020 ish. So that would mean that the movie takes place 30 years after the video game because the video game takes place in 1991. And listen, Shandor you don't have
4: to understand we're never you're ne- they're never going to con- connect all those together cuz Sony
0: will not spend the money on that.
2: Yeah, I, I, don't, well, I don't I mean, don't think Sony cares about the comics.
0: Shandor from the game, you could see in the trailer well, Sh- Shandor
2: is the... one though.
5: Shandor is mentioned in an offhand reference in the jail.
2: Yeah, created the cult mm-hmm. of Dozer. Yeah,
1: but but the, I should add that you know the formation of Ghost Corps. They work constantly with Burnham and Shoning, who are great, uh, and and Tom Waltz as well. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of a surprising amount of cohesion that seems like you know well beyond say Lucasfilm Story Group or something like that. It actually seems like that Sony knows at this point after. Um, the the prior film you know they recognize that having cohesion between their franchises and so on is a good thing and uh in the in the interview that we published to the Ghostbusters Resurrection feed where Doug and I spoke to um uh Eric Burnham and Tom Waltz they mentioned how um the I, I believe that that Sony had asked them to do the the big crossover thing between all the different Ghostbusters exploring the Ghostbusters multiverse before going back to doing other stories uh, Just you know re- regular stories in the Ghostbusters world from where they were in the in the continuity so um, b- Making sure that before afterlife got you know announced in any regard that there was a canonical explanation about a Ghostbusters multiverse was, a, to my mind, from everything that I can tell, was a very clear um, agenda to make sure that all of this could work and that they could make a cohesive franchise, even with having disparate elements like Answer the Call. So whatever happens, we're okay.
2: Yeah, whatever happens, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. But uh, to to close off on the thought of, like, Uh, adapting earlier ideas to be something that I want uh, my players to play was I actually, at the end of it, kind of got the best of both worlds where I, obviously I'm not involved in making a Ghostbusters film but the next best thing is that I now got to see a loose version of what I wanted to see in a Ghostbusters film and it was starring my best friends And, uh, and at the same time I know what I wanted to have happen, but I didn't know how it would end. So I was along for the ride, like not knowing how they would defeat this. So it was simultaneously like being a director of an awesome movie, but also being an audience member. And that's why I want to keep doing it, because it's it's I, I feel privileged to be able to like explore uh, all these ideas that fascinate me with with the, a team that uh just gets the tone and wants to have fun and keep it as close to the films as possible. So it's been super rewarding. I remember when the, just before the 2016 one came out, people were asking like, you know, how would that affect the game and what would happen if I didn't like it? And I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad because I already have an amazing Ghostbusters film starring my best friends and uh, it's going to be my favorite.
1: And every single season has been uh, a new, a new film. And like to the degree that for series three, um, Doug and I, did actual location scouting and created concept art and everything that every next step is more and more like creating a massive long form film or television series um than the one before it
2: excellent yeah excellent point that's uh yeah
1: (laughs) did we is there a place is there
2: i think the only place we didn't go was the vab
1: uh yeah but i did
2: yeah you did yeah yeah yeah. I've, i've been i've been out to the vab before but that was decades and decades ago
1: did you get to tour the inside of it
2: I did not. I was only on the outside.
1: Done it all, baby.
3: <laughs> so one of the things that's kind of been troublesome for me running the game is, is dealing with brownies. It's not so much like character spending them or anything like that. It's pretty easy for me to to fit a game session so that they're roughly going to go through their brownies or whatnot, but also rewarding them. The game the game book itself is not very specific on how you should really do it. I know that like once you hit like a certain point, you achieve a certain goal in your character as a by the character goals that you basically roll a d6 but it's very Uh random to me i kind of defaulted to kind of just giving everyone a brownie point to add to a permanent kind of brownie point total every game session then kind of refreshing every game session until something weird happens how is it Mm -hmm. you handle that in your game session mechanically very loose
2: um it depends on each specific scenario like am i giving them a brownie point because they made me laugh am i giving them a brownie point because they did something particularly badass and they were fearless or um, did they trap a ghost in a way that blew my mind and I wasn't expecting it and they overperformed? Um, or did they succeed or did they attempt to, uh, pursue their goal? There's been a lot of different things. So like, for example, um, I think in season two, um, Poole changed his goal to fame. Um, and when they got off of the plane and they landed in England and there was like a lot of news, uh, people, uh, around Um, Poole said he wanted to take a moment to address them really quick and get on camera and just say that everything's fine. Ghostbusters saved the day or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, that's actually in pursuit of your goal. So I'm going to let you roll. And I just said, "Ah, let's do two. You know, I didn't want him to go crazy amount of brownie points or something like that. There's a little bit of random chance involved. But considering it was like a national news program, uh, I said, roll two dice and see what you get. So he did. Um, Other times I'll just say like, oh my gosh, that was really funny. You get a brownie point. Usually uh, one brownie point is like, the reward for being funny or some doing something unexpected or having a badass moment. I, I I only really reward more than one brownie point if it's directly related to their goal or if something truly like truly incredible and it completely blows me away and I have to like bow down to to that decision, which isn't that often, um, but it has happened. At the end of a session, depending on how they did i usually reward them one or two i I, almost everyone gets a a base of of one brownie point when they successfully trap a ghost um if they did it in a way that was clever i'll reward anything extra if anyone did any particularly good role playing or had a great character moment i'll award that player as well so like i'll go around the table like a typical a typical ending would be uh just after i shut off the microphone for season one i would say okay uh that was a good great, great game everyone um everybody gets Two brownie points and they go, yeah, because they, they just a lot kicked a lot of ass. I would say, uh, LaForge, um, you get an extra brownie point because of the way you convince that one guy to do that thing. Uh Poole gets an extra brownie point because they convinced that one thing. Also in season one, Pool's goal was was love, or sex rather, so uh you got a date with Selena Morelli, so get another two on top of that and so on and so on and so on. My players were not shy about spending brownie points, so they didn't save up a whole lot the first time around. I, I encourage them to spend it. Um but uh really I don't I don't have like a locked down uh super tight rules about how to distribute them. It's just more about who's having who's having fun, who needs it at the time, if 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 that makes any sense.
3: Yeah, it does. So do you ever at any point like refresh the brownie pool or is it just basically like you start with 20, you spend a bunch, you get a couple more along the way. And that's what your new total is. And just as a rolling total as you go along with the campaign. I keep it as a rolling total as they go along with the campaign. Um, okay. At the
2: in between seasons, we'll refresh because sometimes uh, I think certainly between seasons two and three, there was a very long break. So when we yeah. came and sat back down, um, nobody could remember how many brownie points they left with. So I think I just started everyone at 20 um, now. Uh, because you know cap and i were trying to torture them for season three uh you'll realize that no no
1: that's what we did is legally distinct from torturing
2: no sure sure, sure 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 but the but what you may may or may not notice is that um we we haven't given them a lot of brownie points at all and in fact at the end of each session i gave no brownie points and uh and they would say like and we we finished after they met sam hayne i was like all right everyone and that's the end of the session we're gonna end the episode here and we turn off the microphones and they go hey doug aren't you forgetting something like where's our brownie points? And I go, Oh, you don't get any. And they'd be like, why? And I'm like this, the, the job's not done. The night's not over. You don't get You don't, you don't get brownie points until, until the job is done. And they're wow. like, this is bullshit. I mean, this, but this was meant to be hard on purpose. This, in my, in my opinion, playing Ghostbusters like that is playing on expert mode, not even hard mode, but expert mode. They they gritted their teeth and they hated it. They hated not getting any brownie points. And you're going to hear as the night goes on, especially in the next few episodes, um, they get vocal, not about being angry at me, but rather being like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I only have four brownie points left. Doug is not giving us any. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, we're facing a terrible monster. Do I spend a brownie point now? We're not even facing Sam Samhain. Are we even going to face Sam Samhain? If I face Sam Samhain, do brownie points even do anything? Am I saving this for nothing? I mean, these, these things were coming up all the time, but that's, the, that's the, 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 the mindset I wanted them in. You know, I wanted them to be in that on the edge of their seat instead of being a bunch of cocky dudes who walk into uh you know elizabeth bathory's castle and demand you know that that they surrender you know we didn't i didn't want to have didn't want to have that ending so um withholding brownie points to experienced players who were overly reliant on it was a direct uh was a was a very deliberate choice um but if you're just if you're just playing a game like don't please don't feel like you have to make it complicated or make it overly epic i mean ghostbusters was designed just to be a fun laugh a minute you know game where you and your friends get together and you just kick some ass really quick and you feel like you know a working class hero you know so please just Im- embrace the fun of it and don't feel like you have to make it uh every session doesn't have to be a world ender or
3: mess with the player's mind or anything like that so that's that's it's at least how i view it saving the world gets pretty old when it happens every week that very true the just as a quick comment uh one of the things that i was amazed at actually getting into the you know actually playing the game and you know having experience with running with people is how much of a psychological effect those brownies have like once they get down to the bottom of their tank they oh, yeah. start they can you feel that kind of like weariness that it's supposed to represent and it's really a magical magical aspect of the game yeah. itself because i mean it's if you if you run out of brownie points and then you get injured
2: you can't yeah. spend brownie points to avoid the injury. And then you gotta then you have to go to the hospital. And thankfully we haven't had any uh players that have to go to the hospital. But that's why one of the players, I think uh Pool, Pool took on um first aid. Because they knew um that if they were to be injured on the job that's it you know especially since the brownie point levels are so low they just can't keep spending brownie points on injuries so they would take the injury you, you notice as the night goes on i'll say oh you take damage for this do you want to spend brownie if you spend this brownie point you can ignore the damage they go no 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 i'll take the damage we'll take the damage and that impairs their roles for the rest of the session but then once they beat the monster and they have a moment to breathe pool will say does anybody need any healing i have a first aid kit i can try to heal somebody and but that's encouraged that kind of you know uh fly by the seat of your pants uh you know terror that they've been facing where, you know, they're they're getting
3: seriously hurt and they look really messed up. Yeah, I'd actually kind of wondered how you use the medical kit because I have noticed in this recent season that that was used, so I don't think it was used previously.
2: Um, he's mostly using his first aid skill to like do some like a uh, field dressing, like some basic w- work or whatever. If he has a first aid kit nearby, I will let him roll an additional dice. So like he'll roll his talent of okay. first aid, and then if there is a first aid kit, he could roll one or two additional dice depending on the size of the kit and the circumstances surrounding
1: it. Yeah, and that sort of the um, utility. Equipment stuff like first aid kits is something that we would love to add down the line, but you know, mm-hmm. producing cards is the the most challenging, expensive, crazy thing we can do. So it's not something that's in the cards at the moment. Do you Bob think we might
0: either. ever that's... be able to see the unedited versions of Resurrection
2: seasons one and two? I mean, I, good good I, could uplo- stuff? I could upload them tonight, but I would not recommend listening to them because they're very, very long. I and, would like and, to. Oh, I would like to. I know you think you would, but you really wouldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause,
4: <laughs> cause, let it, let, make it a Patreon perk.
2: There you go. A let, let, let me let me be real. Let, let me let me be a little candid and be real. Um, most of the stuff that I cut from the episodes is just dead air where no one's talking. It's mostly okay. Roll your uh, roll your your C. Oh my gosh, you rolled twelve dice, and then we all shut up, and you hear Wall all right, 2, 4, 12, 15, 38. Sounds so to me. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you really so, want to so, hear... I've dreams of
4: waiting for those moments to ever happen, and you've never given them to me. If I can have those now, <laughs> Doug, I want them.
3: I still would like to listen to them, at least just like one or two episodes, just so I can uh, kind of... Hmm. I'm, I'm pretty obsessed about uh, getting information on how other people run things. It's very rare for me to get actual kind of like ghost, people who run ghostbusters games.
1: I have a suggestion Doug. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, we could release uh, All Hallows day and All Hallows afternoon or whatever we called it those the, that that cycle that was done in one sitting. It's like two episodes worth of content. Uh-huh. and there's some busts in there that never actually it were released
2: yeah um we can do that then that would be hey you know what that's a good that's a good middle ground because on one hand that would give you a lot of ghosts back to back and almost like several different little mini episodes at once a lot of uh extreme variations on the type of stuff that they're fighting and some ones that didn't go so well um yeah and in fact that like cap says there was a couple busts that end up not being in the final episode because it honestly just wasn't that great. Like in my head, I, it, it ran a lot better. And it's one. It's it's quite literally the the longest deleted scene like we've ever had. Like it's it's uh it's an entire bus that takes place in a uh, store that sells artifacts like ancient artifacts. Uh, kind and, like, of like an expanded edition. Yeah, kind of. Except except when without you sound hear effects. It, yeah, with, without sound effects, without music. And when you hear it, you're gonna go, "Oh, they just kind of." shoot it until it's done and then i realized as i was editing it like nothing really happens with this bust and it's not even that it's not even funny and it's not even action-packed and it's not scary it's just kind of a time waster because i was throwing a lot at them to waste their time to get them loosened up before i hit them with sam hayne so yeah that was it was it was completely unnecessary but hey if, if that's something you you would all be interested in hearing i'm sure we'll work something out i waste yeah, my time on uh, way worse things
1: <laughs> uh, com- coming soon down. to Patreon at uh, five dollars plus, as per I guess what we—that's where we put uh, all the other uh, raw actual play universe. content. Like we have a—if anyone's not not aware yet—we we've released an entire almost nine-hour-long uh, series of Call of Cthulhu mystery program that will be coming out fully produced as an audio drama in the future. But this one flowed really well as an actual play session, and we wanted to give people something to enjoy and thank our patrons with for you know during during the quarantine
3: i've never actually listened to the cthulhu even though i'm so genre that i'm really interested in i'll probably start doing that because i'm having more interest in running horror stuff lately hell yeah Get it, getting to hear that would definitely help
0: out defining like all those sorts of little details that would be really really cool
2: Hey, so I, not- I, I genuinely hope you find some value in it because, I mean, if I found value in it, I wouldn't have edited it in the first place. <laughs> like, I wouldn't <laughs> would have decided to add all that extra stuff. So for something that I'm like, ah, why would anyone want to hear that? If you want to hear it, yeah, okay. I, it's, yes. it's weird, but I won't. Yes.
1: Okay, folks. Thank you so much for listening. That was just some pieces of that much larger thing. Mm-hmm. You can head to patreon.com slash Omniverse Media if you really want to get into it. If you're looking for recommendations from Doug on how to play the game or like nuance about I don't know what what are some examples of the the like very specific oh, like, things? Just, like I've had people reach out
2: to me on specific scenarios like well if my character is, is using this weapon and they're fighting this type of thing and, and I realize that I painted them into a corner and they can't they actually can't fight this how would how would we work around this or oh hey I've designed a ghost that does this and this but I don't know how to trap it or you know or questions of hey I got them into a legal problem uh, they actually committed a lot of property damage and someone almost died how do I punish my players because they're getting too out of control you know, there's all these questions I, uh, you know, I, I, I love to I love to try and answer. Uh, some of it on the QA, but most of it I try to answer on the Omniverse Discord.
1: GBRPG.com. There's a link to the Discord at the bottom. Or you can go to nerdyshow.com slash Discord. Stay tuned for further updates. Remember to follow Ghostbusters Resurrection on uh, social media. On Twitter, we are at GBResurrection. Yeah, there and Discord. We'll see you right and we will see you next time. And remember, stay fit, keep sharp